Good evening, Dr. Dan Guerrero here from Authentic Biochemistry. I'm going to be doing part two of AMP kinase in the immunoepigenome. And so I'm going to just take up right where I left off last time. Again, this is Authentic Biochemistry. I was talking about a paper published in the Journal of Neuroinflammation in 2019. It talked about how AMP kinase phosphorylation was known to have an analgesic effect on neuropathic pain. And you know that is the activa- the initial activation that's necessary for AMP kinase to be fully functional, along with the AMP binding allosterically. So when you have a fully functional AMP kinase, downstream is a protein called P65 and NF-kappa-B, and they are and that particular protein, which is the transcription factor, is very significant in controlling neuroinflammation and in the autoimmune inflammatory arthritis. In fact, the enhanced cannabinoid receptor 2, CB2, receptor activation, which normally inhibits nod-like receptor proteins 3, which are NLRP3s, and those are found as necessary for expression in inflammasomes, um, all of that is, is involved in the reduction of the release of interleukin-1-beta P17, which is actually the mature peptide fragment from IL-1B. Of course, that's a highly pro-inflammatory cytokine. And that contributes to um, what is known as complete Freund's adjuvant-induced pain hypersensitivity, or CFA. Now, complete Freund's adjuvant is used in inoculations to induce an immune response. In fact, it induces a cell-mediated immunity, thereby potentiating the production of an immunoglobulin series as an immunopotentiator of any future um, immune response that will be carried forward because of the immunization itself, because of the antigen you're raising antibodies to. So it initiates the immune response so that the antigen that's otherwise in the vaccine, for example, will then uh, be have an enhanced antigenic environment because of the induction of the CFA, thus leading to the uh, polypeptide that is used as antigen to generate antibody to the uh, epitopes that are associated with whatever pathogen you're trying to raise um, immunity toward. Now, complete Freund's adjuvant is also used very, very often in raising antibodies in the laboratory in rats, mice, and of course, rabbits. So pro-inflammatory cytokines like tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin-1-beta are, of course, very significant in pain signaling. In fact, IL-1-beta is often found expressed by activated macrophages as that proprotein we talked about that becomes proteolytically processed to the mature fragment by the enzyme known as caspase 1. The mature fragment of IL-1-beta then ends up causing sensitization of nerve fibers or primary sensory neurons, and this is what gives pain hypersensitivity. It's phenotype. Now, the question might be, does AMP kinase have any role 
in CFA-induced upregulation of IL-1B. And if it does, is AMP kinase activation involved in decreasing the inflammatory pain response because it would likewise inhibit NF-kappa-B activation via the downregulation or co-downregulation of IL-1-beta, the convertase product, of course. So what we're going to talk about is a nucleotide called AICAR, ACAR, and that is known, that, that particular nucleotide, which is an intermediate in purine nucleotide biosynthesis, by the way, um, determine whether or not that nucleotide, which we have talked about many times before, is indeed an AMP kinase activator. There's another compound used in this particular study here we're talking about. It's called compound C. I won't give you our organic structure of it right now, later on perhaps. And that's actually an AMP kinase inhibitor. And then there's a recombination mice, mouse that they're using. It's an interleukin-1 uh, receptor antagonist. Okay, so that whole response then will yield a reasonably good animal model to determine whether or not AMP kinase is involved in, involved in IL-1 beta um, synthesis and secretion. And so we're really looking at the interrelationship between AMP kinase, P65N of kappa B, the transcription factor, and of course the highly potent pro-inflammatory cytokine IL-1 beta in this paper. Okay, so... Um, the reason we're talking about this again is the this the role of AMP kinase in the immune response. Now, we talk about the fact, but I will remind you that mammals have two genes encoding AMP kinase, alpha catalytic subunits, alpha one, alpha two, and two beta genes, likewise beta one, beta two, and then there are three gamma subunits. The expression of some of those isoforms as you're mixing the different subunits is very tissue specific. And there are functional distinctions amongst the different subunit um, protein phenotypes as they relate to their activity intracellularly. And we have talked about the fact there's two catalytic alpha subunits, particularly of the AMP minus and LKB pot one pot responsiveness and nuclear localization of that AMP K alpha two compared to the alpha one uh, moiety. Now the alpha one subunit has been shown to localize to the nucleus un under some conditions. And of course you get the meristoylation of the beta isoforms. And that's definitely been shown to be required for proper activation of AMP kinase when it has a beta subunit, and that that meristylation, of course, is necessary for its localization to the membrane. Additional control involves the regulation of localization of AMP um, kinase in various locations, and also LKB, which is involved in this activation. And all of that uh, is still being worked out, but multiple cellular um, domains involved in multiple AMP kinase activation and activities. So there's a great deal of heterogeneity with AMP kinase, not talking about one protein, one function here. Now, there are genetic studies of tissue-specific deletion of the LKB1, and that's shown by doing these deletions that LKB1 
does mediate the majority of AMP kinase activation in nearly every tissue type that was looked at. However, the calcium calmodulin kinase kinase 2 is also involved in AMP kinase activation. We talked about that. And you find that particularly in neurons and in, yeah, T lymphocytes. So in addition to regulating the AMP kinase alpha-1 and alpha-2 phosphorylation, okay, B1 phosphorylates and activates another at least 12 kinases related to AMP kinase. And that family includes the MARKs, the SIKs, the BRSKs, SADs, and the NUAKs. And all those are subfamilies of distinct kinases and signal transduction cascades. Now, only AMP kinase alpha-1 and alpha-2 are activated in response to energy stress. So it's a bioenergetic phenomenon, as we've been emphasizing. But there is a significant amount of crosstalk and shared substrates between the various AMP kinases and the AMP kinase-regulated kinases and related kinases. So once again, you get a plenum of various distributions of kinase cascades that are totally dependent on kinase specificity, which is related to subunit design. Okay. Many types of cellular stresses, of course, lead to kinase activation. In addition to the, of course, physiological ratios of AMP to ADP to ATP we talked about, and therefore the elevation of AMP in particular. Uh, and of course, that directly associated with low, low nutrient or prolonged exercise. AMP kinase can be activated in response to several pharmacological agents. One in particular, which is interesting, is metformin. It's used in type 2 diabetes. Um, and it's been shown to activate AMP kinase and it does it in an LKB1-dependent manner. In fact, metformin and other biguanides, such as the more potent analog known as fenformin, are thought to activate AMP kinase by acting as mild inhibitors of complex 1. Remember, that's the NADH oxidase electron transport chain. And then that, of course, would lead to a rapid drop in ATP levels, therefore increasing AMP, and you see how that's associated. Another AMP kinase agonist is this ACAR, and I'm going to tell you, I promise you, I will. It's a nucleotide. It's 5-aminoimidazole-4-carboxamide, 1-beta-D-ribofuranoside. Aren't you glad we call it ACAR? And it is a cell permeant, because it moves through membranes, because it, it dissolves a lipid well, and it's a precursor to... Um, ZMP, which is another mimetic of AMP, and therefore it binds to AMP kinase gamma subunits. All right? Now you get the idea of how we're working here with using these agonists to activate AMP kinase. Right? Now, there's a chemotherapeutic known as pemetrexid, and it's actually an inhibitor of the enzyme known as thymidylate synthase, which also inhibits the enzyme aminoimidazole carboxamide ribonucleotide formula transferase, otherwise known as ACART. That's the second folate-dependent enzyme of purine biosynthesis, and it results in an increased intracellular ZMP and activation of AMP kinase, similar to the ACAR treatment alone. There's also a number of naturally occurring compounds, including resveratrol, 
which of course the polyphenol found in the skin of grapes, among other places, that will activate AMP kinase. And remember, it works through sirtuin with those pathways, right? We we talked a lot about that um, oh, earlier this year. You also have spe- uh, beneficial effects from resveratrol and metabolic diseases. Now, these are all in the animal models, okay? But they're, as they are compared to ACAR or metformin, resveratrol will rapidly activate AMP kinase via the inhibition of the F1, F0 mitochondrial ATPase, for example. But again, these are either in vitro studies, cell studies, or classical animal studies. This is not something we've been we've uh, looked at in humans, okay? But you know that resveratrol does directly bind and therefore activate sirtuins, which are the NAD plus story, as you recall. And indeed, the activation of SIRT1 by resveratrol in cells in my, and in mice appear to require an increased NAD level by the AMP kinase activity, all of which relates to what we were talking about a few minutes, uh, a few hours ago. So in pure nucleotide biosynthesis, you start off with D-ribose 5-phosphate. You reacted with ribose pyrophosphokinase that makes PRPP, which is 5-phosphoribosyl, alpha-pyrophosphate. You react that with glutamine um, in a, uh, in basically a transferase reaction. One of the products is glutamate, the other is PPI, and the third is, of course, beta-5-phosphoribosylamine. Then you add glycine, hydrolyze ATP via GAR synthetase, and you make glycinamide ribotide, or GAR. Uh, that goes on to be formulated because of N-formal THF being added, GAR uh, transformulase. And you make now formula glycinamide ribotide, or FGAR. Then there's a synthetase reaction, which uses ATP and glutamine, adding more carbon to the system here. Um, and what you get there is... Um, formal glycine amide ribotide, okay? Uh, and that's ultimately then converted via air synthetase to 5-amidoamidazole ribotide, or AIR air. And then the air carboxylase, which is now going to add bicarbonate, is going to make carboxyamidoamidazole ribotide, that's CARE, C-A-I-R, and then the SA care synthase is going to take aspartic acid and ATP and load on basically that amino acid. Now you have five amino amidazole, 4-N-succinyl carboxamide ribotide, which is S, or actually SAI care. Then you do a lyase reaction where you, get, you remove fumarate, of course, and you end up with A care, which is again five aminoamidazole 4 carboxamide ribotide. That nucleotide is the one that activates AMP kinase, don't you know? All in purine biosynthesis. So it's a purine, and of course, adenosine is a purine. So it's a purine precursor that activates AMP kinase. Curious, right? Well, not so much. Now, in this paper we're talking about, ACARE attenuates that complete Freud's adjuvant-induced pain 
and the local inflammation associated with it by promoting the phosphorylation of AMP kinase. This is a mouse study, okay? And what you find when you add the CFA plus A carrot increasing concentrations, you get an increase in phospho AMP kinase. So it's not an effect on transcription or translation of AMP kinase because it doesn't change with adding increasing amounts of A care or even in the presence of the CFA, not just vehicle. Um, only time you see an enhancement is the phospho AMP K. Okay, so that's the critical thing here. Um, and the phospho AMP K then relative to the concentration of AMPK itself, the non-phosphorylated form increases again with increasing ACARE addition. Okay, so this was shown in the in cells and in the mouse model. Now, when you stain, um, looking for inflammation in the skin, which is their marker here for inflammation, you can determine that the control versus simply the complete Freud's adjuvant plus vehicle, and then the complete Freud's adjuvant from ACARE, you see a great decrease in inflammation when you add the ACARE, okay? So that's the process we're looking at here. So it's agonizing that AMP kinase, it's activating it because of that phosphorylation, and that removes some of the inflammation. And this was shown using tissue mounts, okay? So that's some of the data that was shown in this paper. So AMP kinase activation, what it showed, produces an analgesic effect, and it does so actually downstream processing because it inhibits NF-kappa B activation, and then because that's a transcription factor that is involved in the chromatin remodeling to cause the expression of interleukin-1-beta all of which is involved in inflammatory pain. So the alteration of pro-inflammatory cytokines in the tissue, it plays a significant role in alleviating all those painful conditions. And the activation of AMP kinase seems to exert its analgesic effects through the pathways I'm just describing and these pain models that have been well described, such as chronic constriction injury-induced neuropathic pain, uh, and incision-evoked pain and painful diabetic neuropathy, the three systems that are looked at in animal models. So AMP kinase activator, ACAR, they just talked, ACAR, I just talked about, go, does exert this analgesic effect, and indeed that whole process is inhibited by the pro-inflammatory cytokine, IL-1-beta, and indeed IL-1-beta P17, that fragment that gets converted as uh, via the caspase activity. Uh, and that's all in a mouse model, right? And that's where you get the induced inflammatory pain from the CFA. Remember, that's from the complete Freud's adjuvant. So the activation of AMP kinase suppressed CFA-induced NF-kappa-B P65 translocation from the cytosol to the nucleus where it's acting as a transcription factor, all is going down in activated macrophage. And that all and as well as the inhibition expression of interleukin-1-beta and the inflamed skin tissues, is all done by activation of AMP kinase via ACAR or other means. So AMP kinase activation, therefore, plays a significant role in the analgesic effect of ACAR. It does so by inhibiting NF-kappa-B activation and translocation of the nucleus, and, of course, the interleukin-1-beta overexpression. All of this linked to this 
um, complete Freud's adjuvant-induced inflammatory pain as studied in the mouse model. So the activation of amp kinase has a strong effect on as an anti-inflammatory in animal models of diabetic neuropathy, arthritis, and as I told you, severity of acute lung injury. ACAR significantly increases the phosphorylation of AMP kinase, inhibited overexpression of pro-inflammatory cytokine L1-beta, and attenuated the entire pain hypersensitivity caused by the CFA. AMP kinase inhibitor, therefore, tends to what? Block the effect of ACAR in complete Freud's adjuvant-injected mice, and that shows that activation of AMP kinase is playing the major role in the analgesic effect. So the complete Freud's adjuvant induces a pro-inflammatory cytokine secretion in arthritis, and lipopolysaccharide induced NF-kappa-BP65 translocation coming from a cytosol into the nucleus, and that's been shown in cells, particularly macrophage cell line. We talked about before, those are the raw 264.7 line. So inflammation is associated with the activation of NF-kappa-B signaling. NF-kappa-B, of course, is downstream from AMP kinase. I should say phosphoamp kinase. Phosphoamp kinase blocked NF-kappa-B P65 translocation from the cytosol to the nucleus and activated macrophages. This was shown. And it's also shown in inflamed skin tissues in the macrophage of wild-type C57 mice that were marked with CD68 and with a, um, a, a homologous recombination green fluorescent protein mouse so that you could study the effect of moving in and out of that blockage by looking at the expression of GFP, okay? So interleukin-1-beta is produced by activated macrophages and it's upregulated by NF-kappa-B activation and translocation that induces inflammation. Therefore, activation of AMP kinase inhibited directly IL-1-beta secretion from activated macrophages, and it did so by suppressing its transcription factor NF-kappa-B. And again, that was all shown in these CFA-inflamed skin tissues as well. Okay. So AMP kinase is de- activation is definitely involved in analgesia, and metformin can activate M kinase, and that's one of the reasons that metformin um, may alleviate some neuropathic pain, such as in type 2 diabetics. Now, there's another paper that I want to try to talk about. So much time I have left. Yeah. In the Critical Reviews of Clinical Lab Sciences, also published in 2019, and it talks about two polyphenols. One's called carnosol, the other is cucurmin curcumin, which of course is a spice. So carnosol and curcumin, which are plant secondary metabolites, and also they're flavonoids, that is they're polyphenols with a particular chemical signature, are capable of inhibiting dendritic cell maturation. And indeed, they maintain dendritic cells in a tolerogenic state through an upregulation of stress response enzyme called hemoxygenase 1, whole 1. Now, whole 1 is an important anti-inflammatory and antioxidant enzyme involved, of course, in what we talked about recently, heme iron redox metabolism. Indeed, whole 1's expression is associated with the maturation status of dendritic cells. 
although the functional axis between HO1 and DC modulating immunometabolism is not consistent in vivo. At least we know that it's associated. We don't know that it's, co- it's directly causal, which we very seldom see in biochemical pathways anyways. So polyphenols uh, for, for uh, such things as supplements. So polyphenols as supplements have been reported to activate AM kinase in non-immune cells. So the work in this published paper I just mentioned the citation of uh, was set up to determine the metabolic profile of human dendritic cells, human dendritic cells in response to LPS stimulation and to look at the effects of these polyphenols, carnosol and curcumin on DC metabolism. So we're looking at metabolism within dendritic cells. And then of course, downstream immunomodulatory functionality. So human dendritic cells stimulated with lipopolysaccharide upregulate both glycolysis and oxidative phosphorylation. This all occurs within hours of activation. However, the upregulation of glycolytic metabolism and spare respiratory capacity in maturing DCs are both inhibited by the two flavanols, carnosol and curcumin. So both polyphenols activate AMP kinase in human DCs, and effectively they do it by inhibiting mTOR activation in response to LPS stimulation, all within an AMP kinase, a phospho-AMP kinase-dependent manner. So they explain the upregulation of the heme oxidase one, actually not oxidase, oxygenase, excuse me, by either carnosol or curcumin, and the consequential modulation of DC immune function are dependent on the ability to activate amp kinase via phosphorylation. So carnosol and curcumin have been reported to activate amp kinase in skeletal muscle and cancer cells. Now they're showing that this can occur in human dendritic cells. And, you know, once dendritic cells become activated, they can translate that activation into the mobilization activation of T helper cells and thence B cells into plasma cells. This is a huge immune induction by AMP kinase. So polyphenol-induced activation of AMP kinase actually results in the inhibition of mTOR in an LPS-stimulated dendritic cell AMP kinase activation by carnosol and curcumin is required to mediate that immunomodulatory effect on human DCs. And given the pharmacological inhibition of AMP kinase, it can actually reverse the observed reduction in DC maturation by the polyphenols. So signaling via AMP kinase has been for many years implicated in the upregulation of hemoxygenase by various drugs that have been thrown at that but there have been no such reports in the human immune cells. In this paper, this critical reviews paper in clinical medicine, or excuse me, clinical laboratory sciences, in this particular uh, paper, it was shown that AMP kinase signaling and heme oxygenase 1 expression in human dendritic cells are related and that the upregulation of heme oxygenase 1 by those flavonoids, carnosol and cucurmin, at least partially explained, are partially explained by their dependence on the ability to activate AMP kinase. Okay. So you get the idea now what I'm talking about. This is all involved in controlling the electron transport chain in the mitochondria that's going to increase the 
ratio of AMP to a ATP, AMP to ATP, that will turn on AMP kinase. AMP kinase will shut down glycolysis, okay? And it'll do so by stimulating heme oxygenase. Heme oxygenase will tank glycolysis, will also tank reactive oxygen uh, um, synthesis. It will also tank the maturation of then dendritic cells and the pro-inflammatory activity. At the same time, it regulates AMP kinase to the NERF2 pathway, which I wasn't able to get to at this time, but maybe if I uh, um, go through it when we talk about mTOR, I will. I'm going to stop now on the regulation of AMP kinase and the neuroepigenome. I think I've spent now a total of six lectures on the AMP kinase, and I'm going to call that a day call that a week, call that a holiday. I'll get back to discussing AMP kinase one more time when we do mTOR as the regulatory protein. Remember, we're doing these as um, prefectures of major regulatory systems in biochemistry. And I told you we were going to start with AMP kinase because it, was in the, it has an A at the beginning of it, first letter in the alphabet. I told you I could have done acetylcarboxylase. I may do that next. I'm not sure. But I'm now finished with AMP kinase. I have not told you hardly the full story of AMP kinase in the immune system. But again, this will be fully explored when we discuss mTOR. And then later on when we discuss things like, oh, transcription factors in T cells and B cells and T helper cells, all of which we're going to do later. And that AMP kinase will come up again. This is Dr. Dan Guerra on the 27th of December, 2021, saying bye for now.